Let's talk about the psychrometric chart. This is 7 Minutes of BS. Building science with a beat. I'm Dan Morrison, editor of Pro Tradecraft. Is that smooth enough? Do I need to say that again? And that is Jonathan Smeagol of RDH Building Science Laboratories. Psychrometrics is defined as the physics which deals with processes and properties of moist air, a combination of water vapor and dry air. It's a four-syllable word for how moisture and temperature affect the air around us. Turns out, it's not just an abstract concept. An old guy a long time ago drew a picture of the three-way relationship. In 1905, Willis Carrier created the first version of the psychrometric chart. He made a graphical representation to simplify the process of using all of the data tables when designing HVAC systems. Because everyone knows that charts are more fun than tables, unless you're talking about the psychrometric chart. The full psychrometric chart can be very daunting and intimidating due to their complexity, and they have several axes of data. It's usually simplified to exclude the lines not central to the point being expressed. Generally speaking, for our purposes, we can often simplify the psychrometric chart down to just three variables. Temperature, moisture content of the air, and relative humidity. On the x-axis along the bottom of the chart is always temperature. Technically, it's called the dry bulb temperature, but it's simply the temperature you'd read with a normal temperature sensor or thermometer. The y-axis on the right side of the graph is always the moisture content of air. This can have different units depending on what you're comfortable with, most typically in pascals, kilopascals, or grams of water per kilograms of dry air. Sometimes it is expressed as grains of moisture per pound of air, which seems even less intuitive than the other options. Next we have the curved lines on the graph, which represent relative humidity. The leftmost curved line defines the edge of the graph and is the 100% relative humidity line. This 100% relative humidity is also the dew point because at 100% relative humidity, water vapor becomes liquid. That's where the utility of this chart comes into play for building profession. It allows you to see at a glance the conditions for water condensation and hence the chances of moisture problems at different times of the year for different parts of the country. Probably the most common use of the table in the building industry is to determine the dew point of interior air or the temperature that is required on a surface for condensation. For example, to use a psychrometric chart, let's say I'm in my house in a cold climate and I want to know how cold the windows need to be to result in condensation. With my handheld meter, I can easily measure the temperature and relative humidity in my house, which happens to be 20 degrees Celsius and 40% relative humidity. If I locate the spot on the psychrometric chart where 20 Celsius on the x-axis on the bottom crosses the 40% RH curve, that's where I start. From that point, you can determine the temperature at which vapor will condense into liquid or how cold your windows need to get before they start rotting themselves. So from the spot that I located on the chart, I move in a horizontal line towards the left on the graph. Crossing all the other relative humidity curves. Until I run into the 100% RH line. Dropping back down to the x-axis from that 100% relative humidity point gives you the temperature. From the graph, it looks to be about six or seven degrees Celsius. Now, if my interior relative humidity was lower as a result of ventilation, and I did the exact same exercise, uh, for a relative humidity of approximately 30%, I would find that the temperature for condensation was closer to 2 degrees Celsius. This explains in a very mathematical way why it's better in colder climates to have a lower interior relative humidity as there is less chance for condensation. 
The point is that roof and wall sheathing will often be colder than the dew point during winter in cold climates. When moist air gets into the roof or wall cavities, it'll condense into liquid, frost, or ice, depending on how cold it is in there. This is the reason that air control is so important in cold climates. Because moisture rides on air currents. So in cold climates, we know that the sheathing in most wall systems is approximately the outdoor temperature. Because the sheathing is outdoors. So we look at the site chart and we know the outdoor temperature is, a, is somewhere in the range of negative 5 to negative 10 Celsius or around 20 Fahrenheit. We know that that's going to be the sheathing temperature. Now, if we have interior conditions, even recommended interior conditions of 20 degrees Celsius and 30% relative humidity, we know that that air, when it moves left across cooling, left across the psychometric chart, is going to hit the 100% humidity line before it reaches the negative five or negative 10 Celsius sheathing. It's gonna rain somewhere inside your walls. So at this point that the line meets the 100% humidity line around three Celsius, it's gonna to start to condense water. And it's gonna keep condensing all the way down until it, the air that was into your air reaches the sheathing temperature and that and that kind of rain causes floods or glaciers that become floods come springtime and it will eventually cause moisture damage to the sheathing in hot humid climates the science is the same but the migration of moisture is from outside to in because if you have ac it's cooler and drier inside than it is outside for example Let's say we have air temperature outdoor that's 35 Celsius and approximately 70% relative humidity. For those of you keeping score, that would be 95 degrees Fahrenheit and still 70% relative humidity. And as that air cools, because the interior conditions are 20 degrees Celsius, 68 degrees Fahrenheit, it's going to start to condense right around 27 degrees Celsius, 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So it can't reach the interior temperatures without condensing most of the moisture out before it gets there. Another situation where making it rain isn't a good thing. Again, if you can stop the air movement, you can stop the rain. And you know what they say, no rain, no pain. A secondary fix to some of these problems is the ventilation or the pressurization of the enclosures. Pressurizing sections of a building is more common in commercial and industrial construction than it is residential because mechanical systems in houses tend to depressurize through exhaust fans, where commercial and industrial buildings tend to have systems capable of positively pressurizing. However, slightly pressurizing homes in a hot, humid climate and slight negative pressure in a home in a cold climate can add some suspenders to your building science belt. So there's another info tool to stick in your bag of tricks, because you get paid for what you do and what you know. Now that you know that, do this. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, the Google, or SoundCloud. And when you do, give us a big thumbs up and a positive review. It'll help us get found in their algorithms. I want to thank RDH Building Science for providing engineers and adult supervision in these podcasts. Seven Minutes of BS is a production of the SGC Horizon Media.